Hello friends, I'm your host Chris Thrill, I'm a former Royal Marines Commando, I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt Podcast. Graham, how are you sir? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm hungry, mate. Looking at your backdrop, <laughs> something about the word full English just makes you want to go out and have a big breakfast. Well, that's it, yeah. A lot of people make reference to that. It's... But the full English has got a, a few connotations to it. The full English really is just about being an Englishman rather than the actual breakfast, but everything sort of zones back into it anyway. Yeah, so... Graham, just from the off, let, let me just say a big thank you to, it was one of our viewers, uh, I'm really apologise, I can't find your name because I can't get into Facebook at the minute, there's some uh, technical glitch, but uh, somebody very kindly messaged me and said, Chris, you should chat to Graham Moore, aka Daddy Dragon, to which I replied, brilliant, yeah, good, I watched some of your, your stuff, Graham, and um there doesn't seem to be a more important time in history, or, or at least my 50 years of history, to be having an open conversation about what the hell is going on with our freedom. We, we seem to have just handed it away and people aren't saying anything. So o- over to you. Uh, well, I agree. So the first thing to say to you is, um, there's, there's two elements to what I do. First of all, I do the full English show. Um, and where Daddy Dragon come from um, was I created a group of people to do with the Constitution. The common law Constitution is what is, it, it, it is its technical name. Um, and it's about English law going back literally uh, 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 years. It's not just uh, just when... Uh, we became a country, in other words, one nation under God. Um, We were separate feudal areas um, of England, still of England, but one person and one king pulled us all together as a Christian nation. Uh, Prior to that, these different feudal areas, you can call them tribal areas, whatever, they had their own laws. And all of that is where our ancient laws and customs come from. Um, So just, just to... To, to make sure people are aware, the dragon is the original flag of England, not um, the St. George's Cross. So there are two, and there is a standard which they used to take in the battle, which was the dragon. Um, up until fairly recently, um, there was a, a Kent regiment in the army, um, literally, that had a, a, a cap badge, which was the dragon. It was funny enough, it was disbanded, in 1964, I believe. Um, again, very old regiment going back hundreds of years. And then there's the second element to, to what I do, apart from the channel, is that um, although I'm not a spokesman for the English Democrats party, um, what, 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 that is the political party I belong to, and or I'm a member of, I should say, and they have been around for 18 years. Uh, they did have a very large membership uh, going back to the original stages. 
UKIP then uh, took over in, in, in a lot of ways, and especially with Nigel Farage, but they're British, not English. Uh, and then it went on from there, basically. I was a member of UKIP and uh, the English Democrats. And just to express to everyone that the English Democrats was one of the very few uh, political parties where UKIP allowed you to be a member of the English Democrats as well as a UKIP member. So, for example, in UKIP, you couldn't technically be a member if you was a member of the National Front or uh, the British National Party, Britain First. There's a number of these different groups where they they regarded them as as not what they was uh, about. So they uh, sort of barred membership to people of that uh, fraternity. The English Democrats were not one of those. So that's the first thing to say to people. Um, so getting back into the detail, it's about it's about freedom and liberties. Um, it's often said that we have no constitution. That isn't true. Uh, the United Kingdom doesn't have a constitution. England has a constitution and a very good one. And our constitution and our statutes that uh, become part of that constitution and the oath system is what created the United States of America's constitution. Um, we have certain unalienable rights. And again, um, the State Department, uh, Mike Pompeo, and the Unalienable Rights Commission in America have just published one of my letters on their website um, to do with England and Britain, etc., and explaining the plight of the English. So um, for me, it is about freedom, and it is uh, our culture and our way of life. Um, it isn't about being black, brown, yellow, white. For me, although the indigenous population of these islands is very important, obviously, um, but you, could, you would be wrapped in the English flag, whether you are uh, black, brown, yellow. It, it, it's about our culture and believing in our constitution and our unalienable rights, which were given to us by God, basically. Um, and a lot of people don't know that we still have the right to keep and bear arms. Um, that is written in the Bill of Rights. It pre-existed the Bill of Rights. I've got uh, a number of little videos of people in America talking about it, and uh, certainly some senior uh, Supreme Court judges explaining where the right come from. Um, but that's just one of the things. There's many other things that, that come from that Bill of Rights. So we have a Bill of Rights. Um, we have a constitution. It's called a common law constitution. There are certain things that are set in stone and certain statutes with phrases which mean that they can never be repealed. That's the important thing to understand. Um, and they can never be... Uh, so our rights from the from the... Bill of Rights of 1688, for example, <clears throat> are, let me just put it this way, it's, when, when you actually look at the Bill of Rights and you read through it and you understand it, you understand what, Brit, what, what English culture is all about, what, and, and, and once you do that and you understand our culture, you understand what it is that we're fighting for and to get back.
and we will get that back. Yeah, I'm guessing if we if we were more aware of this constitution, it would it would um, sort of cement our identity a lot more, wouldn't it? As as as, as a country, um, at the minute everything is just wishy washy. There's so much left and right, and I don't really, I, I won't even pretend I understand all the left wing and right wing kind of stuff. But we we seem to be subject to just a wishy-washiness and a lack of identity of, of who we are as a country. And that's opening the door for, 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 let's just call them policies, which bloody laughable. In, in a, if, if they weren't so serious, they'd be laughable, wouldn't they? Well, I agree. And there's a lot of, um, should we say, nonsense going on at the moment. Um, we won't sort of expand upon that, but I can tell you that the English Democrat Party and uh, Robin Tilbrook, who's the leader, by the way, he is ex-military uh, and his father was a, a brigadier general. So he understands the military covenant. He also understands uh, the English um, very much so, and he is very much uh, an English man, and he doesn't believe in uh, the United Kingdom or that parliament. But getting back to what you've just said about there, about being wishy-washy and left and right. So as a constitutionalist, um, the rule of law, the constitution, um, comes over everything. It, it, it basically is the core element that you believe in. I, don't, I am not a left and right person. I don't believe, and I think it's, it's um, destructive to the country, to have uh, two um, diametrically opposed political parties that pull the country from left to right. There is no stability with that. You don't want to be in the middle. What you need is a constitution which we have. That is why the United States of America is such a great country, because it is uh, their military swear an oath uh, not to a queen and not to... Um, technically not to a country they swear the oath um to the constitution so um their oath is literally uh, we will defend the constitution against all enemies foreign and domestic well that is what we should be doing so to get back to the point um of these willy-washy policies etc and, and you see another key point, I've got to be honest with you, which is the identity. The attack on the English identity um, has been at least there for 150 years. It's certainly got worse in the last 50. The European Union is often referred to as a Nazi organisation. It isn't. It's actually a communist organisation. Um, and when you look into the actual detail and how it was made, founded, where it originated from, um, Karl Marx actually said, uh, and bearing in mind he's buried in North London, Karl Marx actually said that every communist revolution in Europe has been shipwrecked on the Rock of England. Now, he didn't say the Rock of Britain. He said the Rock of England. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is we have a common law jurisdiction and a common law constitution 
that protects your individual rights against the state. That is so crucial for people to understand. Whereas Marxists, communists, Nazis, socialists, etc., whether they be democratic socialists, which is just another way of saying uh, two wolves and a, and a sheep are going to decide by vote what they're going to have for dinner. Um, and you've got to understand that the Constitution is what protects you as an individual against the state. And your identity is protected by the Constitution as an individual. And then you, you become this successful nation because you have the freedom of thought, the freedom of expression, the freedom of speech. And what that gives you is the power to invent. And then when you look at the English inventions over the years from, you know, let's go all the way back, and I'll refer to Britain for this as well, because the Scots have a completely different legal system to the English. That's, and that's a key factor in this, which is why I always say to people, the United Kingdom is not a country. You can't have a country with two separate legal systems. It is a union, no different to the European Union, the Yugoslav Union uh, of old, and the USSR. They were unions. They were not countries as such. So getting back to the identity, if you look at everything that we've produced as a nation, uh, most recently, I'll give you the best one, which is the World Wide Web. It's English. And it was given to the world by the English. Um, locomotives, trains. Uh, if you go all over the world, there's an actual British standard for the rail tracks. Um, again, go out to India and you'll see the trains that we built 100, 150 years ago still operating. Um, telephones, television, um, again, trains, um, the jet engine. Everything, because it comes from the, the power of the mind and people individually being able to express their thoughts and their opinions, and that is what gives you the uh, human energy to invent things. And what you'll notice about uh, totalitarian regimes, China, for example, the USSR is another one, they have to steal our intellectual property rights because they don't have that creation within their own nations because they oppress and suppress it. So uh, again, it's something that the, the identity of an Englishman of being free is core. And I mean, if I go back to one of our constitutional statutes, which is the act of settlement of 1701, it actually states there that the laws of England are the birthright of an Englishman. You couldn't get any clearer. Graham, let's come on to the, the uh, holy grail of conversations at the moment, which is, <laughs> let's just call it Q, let's not, let's not use the whole word because I... It, oh, it, right, okay. It, it, well, it's starting to trigger people's radars now, let's, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, no, I understand um, that. So the Q movement, what is your take on it and, and how did you come across it? Right. So the first thing to say to you is um, 
I'm not I'm not a, a, a Q follower as such, and I don't believe that that's right terminology. That is what the mainstream media want to present. That's not what it is. Um, I first come across it in October uh, 2017 when it first started, or just before. Um, when I say just before, because there was messages coming up on another board uh, that was, you know, allegedly uh, something to do with uh, military intelligence that was coming up. So I started to look at it and see what was coming out. Then, obviously, a lot of it was very cryptic. There's something specific that they say, which is future proves past, which was a very interesting uh, element for me because it meant that what they were saying now, uh, 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 you know, sometime in the future is going to come true and it will prove that we are who we say we are. Um, so the next, so the next thing to say to you is who who is Q? I don't know. Is the answer? Um, it's highly likely uh, military intelligence in the US. Um, Q plus that uh, could be uh, President Trump. Um, there are there is a team uh, that's referred to as Q with the highest classification in the United States of America. Um, there are other elements to lean towards uh, Virginia, which is uh, where the mili main military intelligence areas are. The first thing that people have to understand about the military in America, and I touched on it earlier, is that they swear an oath to protect the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Uh, that means if they can see a plot in military intelligence terms, against the United States Constitution and against the people of the US and the President of the US, then they will formulate a strategy uh, to remove that threat, yeah? Um, and part of removing that threat, as I see it, is to awaken the people to the threat. You, the, the people need to be aware. The objective of the military, and especially on American soil, uh, would be not to have any violence. Now. Q has never, ever um, associated himself with violence uh, or their cells, because I believe it's a team. It isn't one person. Um, and that team could, you know, could, could, you know, be anyone. I don't know who it is. No one knows who it is. Um, so the next thing is, what is Q? What is it that they tell you? Well, the way I describe it to people um, is when the mainstream media says, look here, look at this, and they come through and their 4 a.m. speaking points are, you know, and we've all seen, or should have seen the video now with all these uh, different people from all around the world all saying exactly the same thing, exact words, but all different news stations and different presenters, right? That, that video is out there. It's a very powerful video, a little clip. What Q says is, so the mainstream media is saying, look here. And Q says, no, look here. So for me, it's about information and about steering people to, to look at both sides, not just to, to focus on what the mainstream media are telling you uh, when it is obvious a, a pro propaganda machine. Um, so there's lots of what's known as Q proofs, which in, other, in effect of things that have come true or 
something that has been said by Q, um, and then a few minutes later, President Trump has said the same words in his tweets. Yeah, so uh, there is a there's a correlation between the two. Um, it's gone on for a long time. There is a, something else called a Q clock. Um, I've come covered Q for. Uh, a long, long time, um, like I say, from the beginning. Um, I don't see any negativity. What I do see, funny enough, is the mainstream media attacking and attacking and attacking uh, the Q movement. Um, and that can only be because the, the movement is working. In other words, uh, people are now seeing the lies that they're being told. They are now seeing the propaganda. Um, and it's a bit like I said earlier, um, the emperor has no clothes. I mean, what you, I look at uh, the, the, the queue, uh, you know, this group of people as those people, uh, you know, standing up and saying the emperor has no clothes. And then all of a sudden everyone says, the emperor has no clothes. Impress no clothes. That's that is the creation, um, and it and it is undoing the the the, the propaganda um, of the mainstream media and these people and these controlling people. That's my opinion of it. Um, Q can put out disinformation because we know that the enemy looks uh, just as well as we do. For you know, obviously, you know, you would put. Uh, some things that are not quite true. Sometimes there's other bits in there that, um, you know, make fun of the, the elites. Uh, but at the end of the day, my opinion is, uh, again, um, it is, in my, in my opinion, military intelligence, yeah. And, and I do believe it's the United States. I believe they're the white hats, not the black hats. Uh, in other words, the good people, not the bad people. Um, from everything I've read, they have never been negative. They have never, ever um, expressed, in fact, they've done the opposite, and they do not want people to be violent. They are going to take care of it. Law enforcement's going to take care of it. President Trump's going to take care of it. And the corruption and the evil is going to be rooted out. That's it. Gosh. It stands to reason, Graham. But, you know, we're stand-up guys, right? We're obviously putting ourselves out there to speak for what we believe in. What, not, not what we believe in, what is right for our bloody children and the next generation, you know? Um, warriors, as I said earlier. So it stands to reason that there'll be people high up in, in US government that feel like us. They don't want this shit, you know? They don't want to be slaves. They don't want to be screwed over by this satanic agenda, this whether it's the Kazarian Mafia or what, whoever it is. You know, they don't want to put up with another, like the events in New York, all this kind of stuff. So I, I just think it's entirely possible, isn't it, that there's, there's a stand-up guy that's or group group of individuals have gone come on let, let's act you know yeah um, i do but you've got to have someone who is an absolute patriot 
that is a constitutionalist, which President Trump is. Um, I believe this plan was to put uh, Trump in place for this um, a long time ago. I believe it, it, this has gone on for some time. Uh, the planning of it is the most extraordinary military planning in detail that I've never, ever seen anything else like it, to be honest with you. Um, I find it fascinating. Uh, some things I have dismissed, some things I don't dismiss. Um, but again, it is for us to make the decision on it. But one of the things that I'll emphasise, and I emphasise this strongly, anyone that the media doesn't like hates with a passion, you can more or less uh, draw the conclusion that they're the good guys. Um, so I draw the conclusion that President Trump is the good guy. Um, one of the reasons I like what he does is because he has allowed people to lay on hands on him from a Christian perspective and pray, and he joins them in prayer in the White House. They pray before every cabinet meeting. Um, now, whether you're religious or not is irrelevant. The point is that he believes in good and evil and he believes um, that he, he is getting assistance from God to root out the evil. That is a positive for me. That is a, the power of prayer is very positive to me. Um, that's the, the first thing from a sort of spiritual element. The next element of that is, you know, when we talk about uh, the storm is upon us, um, we're waiting at the moment for President Trump to actually send out uh, the tweet that states that, because that will be the, the beginning and of the end from the, for the cabal when, it, when that reference is made in his tweets. Um, but like I say, uh, even Air Force One changed its um, call sign, its electronic call sign uh, to Q uh, and Q Plus, funny enough. Uh, which was one of the which was one of the uh, Q proofs. Um, again, the media uh, have told many lies. There's a lot of idiots that also follow um, and have said, you know, that that, that JFK Junior is alive. Q has never said that. In fact, he was asked a question, or they was asked a question on a question and answer session: Is JFK Junior alive? And he come back and said no. Um, Sure, well, no, he ain't alive for the simple reason Poppy bloody Bush put an end to him. I mean, come on. Well, how 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 can anyone know for definite? But if your plane goes down, with was it his whole family on board or something? It's yeah. just hideous, you know. And you look at old um, the Bush crime family. He, and, didn't and like it. he did not like him bringing that magazine out, Graham, you know. George, George was the name of the magazine. He did not like that. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I think will eventually come out. Um, I think, and, you know, there's an old saying, it'll all come out in the wash. Uh, I do believe that we are going to be told things. I do believe that 9-11, that, that um, JFK... Ken the Kennedy assassination um, is also going to be, um, we'll know the truth on that eventually. Uh, we're going to know the truth on 9-11, even 7-7. Um, I think it's all going to come out. And what, what, what Q says is 
that they won't be able to walk the streets because once we know, we know. The most important thing for us as patriots is that we need to make sure we look after each other, that we can explain in a rational way to others, chill. When things start, you start seeing all these really mad stuff happening out there. You need a group of people that know what's going on to say, listen, don't worry, yeah? Take the panic out of it. Don't react violently, yeah? There are people now that are pushing forward at doing the right thing and taking control back. That's it. And that is what Q and the Q team are creating in America. My personal view is there was a plan to put the United States of America into a full civil war by the second term of a Clinton administration. And, it, and then uh, America would have been in a full-scale socialist revolution, which was Gosh. a very dangerous situation. Mm. Getting back to a couple of points there, and I don't want to... Um, if you're obviously, if you've got any questions on, on, on various elements... But I just want to explain to people, Hong Kong, I'm just going to give you an example, and then I'll go on to the military covenant, if you don't mind, because I'm passionate about the military, and I'll show you, uh, if you don't mind, I'll do a quick share and show you the, one of the reasons why. But Hong Kong, we have a perfect opportunity at the moment, but people don't realise is that Hong, Hong Kong became um, one of the freest nations in the eastern uh, areas of this world and the reason it did is because of a Scotsman not an Englishman uh, the main reason was this Scotsman and his name was Sir John James Cathaway and he believed in something called positive non-interventionism in other words let the markets let the people trust the people they will do the right thing so what you have to understand from that the Hong Kong tax system was actually English, and yet it's known as the best tax system in the world. Guess what, people? It's voluntary. Guess what, people? Hong Kong had a surplus every year. They never run on a deficit. They surpassed England for a small nation that had really just started. They surpassed England uh, because they was left alone to get on it as get, get on with it as free people. They surpassed England in, 19, in the 1960s. Um, through uh, GDP per capita. In other words, they was actually producing more income for their country than what we were, right? So if you speak to anyone who understands, and especially uh, people in Hong Kong, uh, they will also always say it was English, England that give us this. So why is England no longer free? Well, the answer is the British. Uh, the, they and the British, and I'm not talking about when I refer to the British, I am not talking or attacking the Scots, uh, the English, the Welsh or the Irish. I am talking about the source of the power, and that is the Acts of Union of 1706-1707, which has already um, been dishonoured by the very parliament it created when they gave Scotland back their parliament, because that was forbidden. Um, and, and it was a, a, a grave injustice to the English. We are the only, the only nation, sovereign nation in Europe without its own parliament. Um, and I find that disgraceful. The British really started to attack 
the English, bearing in mind many of the people that went to America were English, Scottish, Welsh, Irish, and some other European nationalities. But what the War of Independence in 1776 was about was that those people that left these shores to America on the uh, Mayflower in 1620, uh, the really bad winter and survived it uh, with the help, which is where you get Thanksgiving, with the help of the Indians. And that was in 1620. In 1706, uh, well, in 1688, we had a glorious revolution, which again is part of our constitution and, and created the constitution of the date via people called what we now call Whigs. Um, they were the real constitutionists, the real conservatives. The point I'm making is in 1706-1707, that created the British Parliament, right, or the English, but the United Kingdom Parliament of Great Britain. Um, and the Scottish Parliament and the English Parliament was brought together as one. Um, and the, so the union is, in effect, only Scotland and England. Some years later, 1776, it only took them 70 years, um, they attacked those very migrants from these lands in America. And the reason they did was because then people asked for the same rights as an Englishman, right? That's really important for people to understand. They said, we want the same rights as an Englishman. And the British said, no. And that's what the fight was about. And when they said, we're taking your guns, and they lifted their hand and said, come and take them. That was when the fight, that's when you hear, heard the shot around the world. Um, and it is cru crucial for people to understand. And many people are waking up to this. It was the British that did that. Less than 50 years after, so they attacked America again in 1812. Um, but less than 50 years later, the British realised that they was going to lose control. The elites were going to lose control unless they destroyed England and attacked the Constitution because the Constitution was what gave these people this uh, inner core of strength to fight for their freedom. So they sought to destroy England. Um, and, and ever since, that is what they've been doing. Um, from, Europe, from giving away England to the European Union, um, that there are so many things that are wrong with what happened, and England needs to regain her identity by acknowledging the common law constitution that protects the individual rights. Anyone who's got children should understand that our uh, ancestors, and I'm just going to show you a picture here, and I could actually show you something else. That's a, uh, not sure if you can see that up on the screen. Yeah. But there's a picture yeah. of my uncle. Uh, again, he was uh, 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 a mariner. He was uh, in the Navy during the Second World War. He was in, he was a submariner. So he's in the submarines. And anyone who tell you he's been in a sub, that was a dangerous old game then. And um, he was a young man. He joined in 17, at uh, 17. He died at 91. And his last dying wish to us when he was dying in hospital is post my vote to leave the European Union. Please post my... To his dying breath, he was protecting us as English. He loved England. And part of what I say to people is 
that our soldiers, our ancestors who, who fought and died for our freedoms, handed them to us, not to disperse and frivol away, but to hold that um, mantle of light and pass that flame of freedom on to our next generations so they and their grandchildren, as the English men and women of this land, could be free in spirit as well as not in irons. And that was the whole point of keep pushing forward and keep pushing forward. So when I see what the government are doing um, with reference to veterans in Northern Ireland and prosecuting veterans, letting out all the IRA, and the IRA are basically um, criminals. They are basically communists. If you read the IRA Green Book, it actually states that. So they let them go, and they prosecute what we describe as the, the British veterans or the British Army, which is an absolute disgrace. The way they have treated... I've also myself suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. I understand that. I understand how it feels, and it is an absolute uh, a terrible condition that I would not wish on anyone, and it creeps up on you. It's not something that just appears. The, by the way, I have recovered, but I've recovered with psychology, not with drugs. So the next element to that is for people to understand that you, there, is, there is a covenant, and that is a military covenant between us. Now, soldiers, Navy, etc., they take an oath uh, to protect the Queen and country. But you must also remember that Her Majesty took an oath to us, the people, in uh, June of 1953, when she was crowned. She was also elected. Uh, and that's the bit people go, no, she wasn't. So we'll go and watch it. Watch the coronation and you'll see that she was elected. Because before she was given the crown the, as a princess, in the Abbey, she turned to the east, to the west, to the north and the south. And the Archbishop said, do you accept Princess Elizabeth as your queen? And those people in that Abbey could have said no. That's why I say she was elected. They said yes, and the procedure continued. Now, what you need to understand about that procedure was that the Queen took an oath, and part of that oath was from 1688, and it's called the Coronation Oath Act, where Her Majesty swore an oath to protect our ancient laws and customs and statutes. That means the Magna Carta is protected, which isn't a law. It's a treaty between the people and the crown. The Glorious Revolution had three stages. Um, the first stage was the convention. The second stage was the Declaration of Rights, which is a contract, which was read to uh, William and Mary. And the third stage is the Bill of Rights, the only statute that has got the name Bill. And the point of this was there was another document that was made uh, which was the Crown and Parliaments Act of 1688, which then allowed for the conversion of the Declaration, which is still a contract in law, into a statute. 
So all of these things, and again, Her Majesty in 1988 uh, made a declaration in both houses and said that the Bill of Rights is in full force. Um, Betty Boothroyd in 1993, as the Speaker of the Commons, reminded the courts that the Bill of Rights is in full force. So you need to understand that we have a, a written constitution as well as a common law constitution, um, which is judges should be looking at our constitution. And the point of it being there is the legislators are not allowed to create laws that interfere with our individual rights, our inalienable rights, yet they are. And they have done everything possible, and especially the British and the British media, to remove all knowledge of our constitution. They stopped, so for example, we unlawfully went into the European Union. Um, the European Communities Act of 1972 is actually unlawful under, under our constitution. Um, it was an afterthought to have a referendum, and they had to win it, uh, which is why Ted Heath and others lied. And the point being of what I'm actually saying to you is, what did they do in the early 1970s? Well, I'll tell you what they did. They removed constitutional law and civics from the curriculum in schools. They removed constitutional law from the bar exams. Why did they do that? Because they didn't want you to know you have a constitution that protects you and your children, that protects you and your rights and future generations. The whole point of this, it has been orchestrated by uh, socialists, communists, Nazis, whatever you want to refer to them as, but they are a group of people that believe that the state has power over you not you have power over the state. Uh, well, I know which side I'm on, um, and I will protect my grandchildren's rights going forward, and that is what I do. And you seem to be doing it very well, Graham, if I may say so. I, I think for a lot of people listening, this will be the first time they've been made aware of, of the Constitution. It certainly is, um, for me, what do we think then out of order out of chaos? Because it, it seems that in England today, indeed the world, identity is targeted to destroy that identity, to set people up to hate their neighbour, whether they be black, white, what, whatever, gay, straight, you know, all these petty, silly arguments that are dividing us from being a community you know i've traveled 80 countries seven continents people will be sick of me saying this i, I i've seen difference and, and i'm sure we will talk about that particularly or, or or in pakistan i i saw some real differences um but it seems that everything's being done to destroy our identity and the reason I bring up order out of chaos, which is it's kind of like an Illuminati Freemasonic mo mo moniker or, or, or statement. It really does seem that everyone's running around shouting at that one, arguing with that. No, you can't put that on Twitter. 
it's just this horrible, nasty, spiteful, bringing out the worst of our, our human character. And what I call the sociopaths, although everyone will have their own take, you know, I got told off yesterday, for example, using the term sociopaths. Chris, they're not sociopaths, they're Satanists, right? And yeah, I'm not I'm I'm not disagreeing, you know. There's if we want to use the metaphor good and evil, yeah. It, yeah. No, I, I well I do believe in good and evil. I mean I, uh, and again, I'm not I, I don't want people I am very spiritual and there's a uh, um but I don't read the Bible every day, etc. Um I believe in in God, I believe in Christ, um, but I am not uh, if you like an evangelistic Christian, yeah. Um but when I was younger, I died. Um, I was in a coma and I died and I went to the other side and I saw my mum uh, and I saw who I believed to be God. And I come back uh, and, and it had a very deep and profound effect on me um, where, I, where I 100% believe uh, in the afterlife and where you are. Uh, they actually said that I was brain dead. Um, they asked my dad for my organs and my wife. Um, so, uh, I mean, what I'm expressing to you is that there is, there is good and evil. There is the power of prayer works. And if I, you know, I've often told the full story of my channel um, of, of the fact that people were praying for me all over the world and God listened. Um, and then he told me to go back through another door um, not the original door that he, he told me to go through. Um, so there's lots of there's lots of things that you experience over your life that make you as a person. And I always say to people, it's not how you start out; it's 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 where you finish um, that makes it. And you need the the positive of prayer. You need the positive mind. Uh, and and human beings can overcome anything. But getting back to your point of um chaos and order out of chaos that is directly out of the playbook of uh trotsky lenin and the communists mm. that is exactly what they do that is um their plan it is a blueprint it is what works in various circles what people don't understand is that the fabian society um, who have been about since 1884 and a Marxist group that, again, founded on uh, Karl Marx, every single um, Labour Prime Minister has been a member of the Fabian Society. Sadiq Khan is an executive member of the Fabian Society. Tony Blair, uh, a war criminal, and, and certainly what I would say is pure evil is a mem executive member of the Fabian Society. Every one of his cabinet, bar one, were Fabians. Um, so if you understand in depth who and what the Fabian Society are, and I'm just going to give everyone an insight here, um, over 300 members of parliament are Fabians. They are Fabian Society members. Um, their allegiance is to Marxism, not to you. And just to give you an indication, Oliver Letwin, 
who was the policymaker and one of the senior members of the Conservative Party for a very long time is also a Fabian. There are many others Fabians in the Conservative Party. The Conservatives or the Tories, as you refer to them or we refer to them today, are not Conservative. Like they are socialists. And you can see that by the nonsense that's happening now. Right? So um, when you talk about chaos, so let me just take you back to a point. And this isn't about politics, people. This is, this is about the structure and the culture uh, of our nation, England. And we are sovereign. Right? So let me just point something out to you. Prior to um, King Athlet bringing us together under one nation as under God. We were separate feuding kingdoms. So, for example, Mercia, uh, Cumbria, uh, Benatia, uh, uh, Ken, Essex, Sussex, etc. They were sec- They was all within England, but they were feuding. Yeah, so they, they all got brought together. Um, and then we had counties, districts, and parishes. And each one of them areas basically had its own, uh, it was a distributed uh, power system, which is really important to understand. So the people and the local people had control over their own lives. Um, invariably, they wouldn't ever get in, involved with, with the government as such. What you've got to remember is, and this comes back to your point of um, chaos and order, is the European Union um, then set up a process to regionalise England into nine regions. London is a region, and then you have the different... But they are regions, and England disappears as a nation. Scotland is a single region. Wales is a single region, Northern Ireland is a single region, Southern Ireland is a single region. But England is broken up. Now, often people go, little England, and I always say to them, if we're that small, why are you breaking us up into regions? Nine regions. Uh, We had, you know, all of uh, our industries removed by these socialists to destroy the power base of England. Um, So when you talk about the situation of uh, out of chaos, you get older. They intended to take England back to the feudal past by splitting us into regions and then turning the regions against each other. That's exactly what their plan was, uh, which is one of the reasons why I stand up and say no to regionalisation. In fact, we need to take London back, um, and it is uh, fairly simple to do, to be honest. So, uh, again, the English Democrats have got a plan to bring England together as one nation. And I want to emphasise to everyone, your identity as an Englishman is not denoted by the colour of your skin. It is denoted by your belief and your allegiance to this country and your country men and women. That's it. Yes, it's a good point you make, Graham. Um, my eyes have been opened up a lot recently. I've got a, a, a friend, Mike McCarthy. Hello, 
Mike, if you're watching, he's gosh, he touches on all the points that that you're saying. And and I'll be honest, it, a lot of it is just as I said, open open my eyes. Um, there's some things that work in society, and there's some things that they just don't work. You know, as as left wing or whatever you or liberal as you want to be, that don't make mean that it works. Right? I'm trying to. Um, I'm trying to pick my words carefully because obviously you're not a racist. I I think I say this about 20 times a day. I love everybody. Yeah. I love humanity. I love the universe. Um, I think it's the only way to be. If you want all your goals and dreams to come true, you you need to get to a point in your life where where you have unconditional love. So it's not like a hippie thing or a stupid thing or a greedy it's like i i want my dreams to come true because yeah. i have this philosophy all of my my dreams in these wonderful countries have all come true having said that you know this this kind of notion of the melting pot you know we'll chuck it chuck in every member and it's all it's all going to come out good in the end that's not yeah well so no. so the, 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 the most important thing is not to conflate two issues, which is exactly what the socialists and these liberal, whatever you want to describe them as, do. Do not conflate racial integration with multiculturalism. They are two separate things. Yeah. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. Um, there have been black people in England for hundreds and hundreds of years. They are not the indigenous population, but they have been here for hundreds of years, right? Um, I'll give you another example of that. Um, there is a guy called uh, Granville Sharp. Um, he was a tailor from Durham. Most people have never heard of him. He was the person that stopped slavery um, in common law jurisdictions around the world. He was not an advocate. He was not a lawyer. He researched and taught himself law. And a black slave was held on a ship and he went there and issued on his own behalf um, a writ of habeas corpus to the High Court in England and then argued for that black slave that he should be freed. Um, and again, the slave masters uh, employed the big barristers of the day to argue their case that the black was their property. And the judge said, from the arguments of Granville Sharp, uh, you need to possibly reconsider what you're doing in this court. Uh, you may not like my judgment. And they carried on. And the judge made that judgment. And within that judgment contained the phrase, free the black, because no free man um, or no slave can breathe uh, the air of England. So therefore, he must be free. Um, and that set a precedent that any slave that set foot on English soil, any slave, um, was a free man. If they, if they could get to the soil of England. And people have never heard of Granville Sharp, the man that taught himself English law and battled for 
what he saw as his Englishman's rights. And, and it didn't matter what colour they was. So, again, people really do need to understand there is a difference between um, racial integration and cultural integration. They are different things. Um, the cultures of some places in Africa, uh, Pakistan, India, and I can go on and on, um, are completely different to the cultures of England. And, and those and bringing all those cultures into one area um, is never going to work because the cultures will, will, will never agree with each other. It's like bringing um, feudal tribes again back together. That, that, that's not going to work. You need to have a single culture. You can be multiracial, but you need to have a single culture. So the next element is, are there cultures that consider themselves to be more dominant? Well, the answer is there is. Um, so I'm going to give you two examples uh, of my feelings on this. The first is, I do not like the Catholic religion. And people often look at me and say, oh, right, so you, you're now a sectarian. And I go, no, 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 that's not what I said. Why are you twisting what I'm saying? And I've said, I was married to a Catholic for 33 years. You know, I loved her dearly. You know, I've got family who are Catholic. I didn't say I didn't like Catholics. I said I didn't like the Catholic religion. I don't like the theology element of the religion. And there are many reasons for that. One of the reasons for that is because the secrets of society were fed back to Rome via the confession box. It was the original secret service. It was the original uh, spying on the people, the original Stasi. And people need to understand that that is just one element that I don't like. The second is Islam. Islam is an ideology, not a religion. It is genocidal in its nature. It is all controlling in its nature, which is at odds with the individual as an Englishman under our constitution. And by the way, our constitution forbids Sharia. So people have to understand it's not Muslims that I don't like. It is the theology of Islam and the ideology of Islam I don't like. And there is a distinction between the two. And that is the bit that you will get all these, uh, again, chaos out of order. Uh, at, they will lie about what you've said and what you say. And, you know, they'll wait for the smallest, tiny mistake in, in your words to accuse you of being a racist. Well, let me tell you something. Um, I'm not sure about you, my friend, but I've never actually met a racist. I've met many bigoted people at various stages of my life, but a racist is, is like a psychological condition where they believe that their race is superior to all others, right? They're, of, they're very few and far between, and I promise you I've never actually met a racist. Now, bigotry is a different is something different. Bigotry is not racism. 
bigotry means at some point in that person's life, something has triggered, triggered them to think that way. And the only way you'll ever get to the, to the issue or what's caused that bigotry is if you talk about it. And then, you know, often people would say, you know, I've spoke to many different people on different subjects. And when you start to put your side, as long as you can have a sensible sense, they're sort of, yeah, you know, I get that, you know. Or something could have happened to them 20 or 30 years ago. And, and it has created their bigotry from that one incident. And then, you know, things move on. Things can change. Um, and that's the positive. And you must always look at the positive outcome. If you're going to sit there and be negative, uh, even towards bigots, um, you're never going to get anywhere. Everyone's got some experience in life, which, and I believe everyone has got some form of bigoted uh, opinion somewhere. Um, and it's normally come, stems from a bad experience. It may even be, you know, you could have a really negative opinion about, I don't know, bankers. Or, you know, not all bankers are bad. Mm. You know, some of them are very bad, but not all of them are bad. Yeah, it's... Uh... I will say hot potato because it sounds like I'm trying to skirt around con controversy. My, my childhood, massively racist. It, we were just indoctrinated into it. And it's horrible now that I own my own mind now, but I recognize where the prejudice, which is almost like the infrastructure of your mind that you can't change. Yeah. It's up there, Graham. I wrote, you know, and I'm just being honest now, right? I mean, when I was at school, you know, it, it, the jokes were horrible. When when Blue Peter, they would do an appeal for the famine, say in Cambodia or Africa or something. All the kids at school were like that. It's just the butt of or the source of so many like racist jokes, yeah. right? And and it's up for people listening. Prejudice is what you have in your head and you can't change. It's like a, not a blueprint. It's instilled in you from such a young age that it sways your. It, 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 it has an effect on how you think. Racism is acting out that prejudice. So it, that and that's quite a good thing, because if you check your behavior, and you recognize your prejudice, then, then you don't commit the racist like action, right? Um, with respect to the to Islam, Graham, it's it it's a toughie. I, I want to say there's parts of my life where I have adopted I, I don't know if it's the right term, Islamic culture, and, I, and I'll tell you where. It's because I've worked in, say, Mozambique. I've driven to, to, as people know, I've driven volunteer journalists to India and back. So, so that's through Iran, Pakistan, um, uh, Turkey, which is kind of a moderate is Islamic nation, or, or a bit a bit more secular, I think is the right term. And do you know what? It's so special when you meet a stranger on the road and they've got a a bread, a, a, a loaf of bread or a, a a bun. I can't even think of the, the t a roll, right? And immediately they pull it out of their bag 
they'd rip it in half and they'd given you half before you know before you even like your brains kicked into gear it's that wonderful desert um philosophy that you know if, if a stranger's coming this way and i treat him when i come through his land he's gonna treat me so there's some oh the other thing as well and we're really big on it in this family it might sound a bit silly to some people at home but like we don't play with our food in this house you eat your food you eat all your food um and you don't do this thing where you you know chuck food across the table or throw loads in the bin all this sort of stuff and i got that from um in turkey actually an iranian chap i met in turkey that when we were driving this bus to india my fellow driver um lee rest in peace threw me a a, a bread right and this iranian go whoa no bad you know res- respect food it's not to be just chucked across the table my, my, i know they might sound a bit silly to, uh, um, but anyway I, what i'm trying to say is yeah it's those philosophies are wonderful it's the radical thing isn't it and the sharia thing where it all starts to become become a different animal graham you know um well you so and again um you have to understand there's three elements to islam there is the quran um and I'll get back to the Quran in a couple of seconds because you've made a couple of comments which I'll sort of uh, go back on. You then have what's known as the Sunnah of Muhammad, um, which is uh, the autobiography of Muhammad, uh, the life of Muhammad, and then and also the Hadith. Um, but then you also have um, Sharia and the Hadiths. Um, so there's three elements. It's actually a trilogy. A, a trilogy it's not it's not about the quran and it's often said that it is the two bad parts uh, or the worst parts are, are in effect uh, sharia and um the sunnah of muhammad that, that's that question getting back to the quran there are two elements of the quran um it was written in two different stages of muhammad's life first uh, was Mecca, which is the good part, if you like, of the Quran, and then Medina, the Quran, which is now what they do is they it's all chopped about. You have to go through it in, uh, and it's very difficult to do it unless you actually buy uh, a chronological uh, Quran. And what they actually say is that um, new verses abrogate the old verse. So often you will hear a verse and most people are only tell you the first part of the verse because the second part of the verse is the nasty bit. Well, it's the second bit, which is the bit that takes precedent, not the nice bit, right? So there's things that people under, under, under a lot of what you've just described, some of that, uh, when you say, you know, breaking the bread and giving you half, some of that can, uh, comes from Ramadan. Um, where they share their food after a after a certain time period, but some of that is different. It's not. It, it, you may have been in as in an, in an, uh, uh, a secular society, or you may have been in an Islamic country, but.
but it may be the culture of the country that 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 they share it's not really directly related to the religion itself or the ideology itself there are certain elements to it that are but not uh, that many um so getting back to you know getting back to the core element of that uh you also mentioned turkey it was Erdogan himself that said there is no such thing as moderate islam there is only islam it was Eric himself that said that. So people need to understand there is only one. There is no such thing as a radical Islam. There is only Islam. Um, the problem that you've got, and, and this is uh, the way I see it, um, is you have what's known as, and I'll give you an example, uh, orthodox Islam. Um, and orthodox Islam is, in effect, ISIS. That's orthodox. Um, people may not like that, but that's fact. Um, and when you actually read and go into the history, instead of having blinkers on that the liberals do have, I'm not suggesting in any way or form... Um, let me put it this way. If you look, if you look at uh, Muslims, let's talk about in England... Many of them are in fear, not, from, not of us, but of their own ideology and friends and family. Because if they leave the ideology, they are under threat of death. They will be ostracized. They will be beaten. Um, women in this country, for example, have been murdered um, simply because they want to marry a Christian. And it is considered as a dishonouring uh, Muhammad, um, who doesn't like, who didn't like Christians or Jews, um, or anyone else for that matter. Um, so the whole point of it is what I'm trying to say is, for us as a nation, as a free nation and individual rights, what I would say is that I am giving the right to those um, that are within that ideology. To, to walk away from it, if they wish, without um, being under threat of death, violence, or ostracization from their families. They would have another family that they could go to. That, so, again, it isn't a racial issue. And, again, um, just to make a quick point on that, the amount of times people refer to anti- uh, or uh, Islamophobia or whatever as racist, Islam is not about race. There are many races in, in Islam. Every, you know, the same as Christianity. Um, so it's not, it's not a racial issue. It's, a, it's literally about the theology. Uh, and, and in that particular ideology, there are three sections to it, which is the Quran that's in two parts, um, the Hadiths and Sharia, uh, and then you have the Sunnah of Muhammad. So... Um, the, the easy answer is uh, I've got no issues whatsoever if um, Islam was to go through a reformation in, in, in the same way as Christianity did, but they won't because they say that the Quran, the Hadith and the Sunnah of Muhammad is uh, the, the word of God and that, that is exactly how they're going to follow it to the letter. Um, that's what causes the issue. Yes, 
and also you know this oh, again i'm sorry if i'm not choosing my words the right way there's a massive following of islam in 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 a, a huge swathe of the world where i'm i'm just gonna have to say this i i don't mean to offend but where the I don't even know how to say it, Graham. I'm going to say the thinking is different, you know, very passionate about praying to Allah. Is it the four times a day? And, 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 and five times a day. you know, when, when, when I've met people like this on my travels and, and you tell them that you, you don't have a religion, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a free man. They, they gobsmack. They, they cannot believe that you don't believe in, in a, in a, in a, and, I'm not even going to say what I believe, folks. It's not. It's irrelevant. Um, but yeah, the the point I'm making is it's it's like there's no room for a dialogue there. It's just 100% committed. And I'm I'm not saying this as a criticism. I'm I'm just saying it to add to our conversation. Oh, I agree. Um, I on the other, you know, to the other side of the coin, when people call England a Christian nation, there's people like me that are a bit like, well, fuck off. I'm, I'm free. Don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I was born on this rock called England. <laughs> um, it, 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 2000 years ago, Christianity started, I'm guessing with the, 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 the birth of the Jesus. What about all the millions of years before that? When, when, when it was yeah, a, no, a lot of know. a lot of you're right. A lot of Christian um, rituals are are pre pre exist Christianity. Um, so you're right in what you're saying there. That that when we when I talk about this being a Christian country, I talk about adhering to the Ten Commandments, uh, which are the basic human rights of everyone you know you shouldn't commit adultery you shouldn't steal you shouldn't do all these uh certain things but let me just get get back to a couple of quick ones that you just said there and i'm just going to give you an example this is between uh, jewish and islam right um i'm going to give you an example the jews say um that jews should not eat pork sorry who muslim muslims say Nobody can eat pork. Can you see the difference? Right. Can you can you just just just, just say that again, just for clarity? The the the, the first so 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 this is just to give a simple example, right? So Jews mm. say that they are not allowed to eat pork. Okay. Yeah. They can't eat bacon. Yeah. Whereas Muslims say nobody is allowed to eat pork eat bacon can you see the difference between the two is so that, is, that, is that all muslims though graham or is it just these kind of you know what do you call them religious clerics or or extremists oh, and... that's all, that's all, well as far as i well, you, you again and again i do want to emphasize this you have people that call themselves christians that are not christians they they have never you know they don't adhere to any other christian you know, it wouldn't be someone I would regard it as a Christian, yeah? Mm. Well, you do have people that refer to themselves as Muslims and, and, and they haven't got an Islamic trait about them, 
So, so what I'm saying is, no, it isn't about all of them. And, and that is why I emphasise the fact to people, I don't like the Catholic religion, but I was married to a Catholic for 33 years that I love very much. So it's not, you know, I want people to understand that. There is a difference between saying I don't like that and what it stands for, but the, the but the it doesn't mean I hate all Catholic people. That's just a just a nonsense. But the left and the liberals will conflate it to make it mean that, and it doesn't mean that at all. Mm. That, and that's the uh, crucial element to it. Um, but there's many other. I mean, I'll just give you another example, and this may be uh, a flippant comment. Um, and if it is, I uh, apologise to anyone it offends. I don't know any other religion on earth, um, and I'm talking about Islam, that says that you cannot drink alcohol, but you can drink camel's urine. I'll just... It beggars belief that, that they would say, you know, or offer you a glass... Of 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 camel's urine, and, and they sit, and they think that that is perfectly okay, um, but to offer you a pint of lager is an absolute you know abomination. I, I just don't get it. Can I chip in that? And I, I feel really bad, Graham, because you you're a very nice man, and, and and you're you're a guest on my show, and and but in the in the dialogue thing, I, I, I would, because communications, everyone, we've got to talk, haven't we? You know, we've got to talk. And this is, this is a thing that's happening in society, especially through the social media. People are being told, no, you have to shut up. You are not allowed to think the way it's, it's the old bloody, here's my book. No surprise. It's, this is always on my desk now. Right. You know, thought, thought police, not allowed, you know, Thought police, language is changing. It's it it it's all kicking off, right? Um, but going back to your your camel's urine, thing, <laughs> I never thought I'd be discussing that on a podcast. But I the the right to tell someone else what they can do is like uh uh-uh. uh now you know it's like me. I've I've had a, a, a you know I've I've taken lots of drugs in my life. I've paid the piper for doing that you know I, I i knew when i was doing it i would have to take the ride and it was going to be a near-death one and i was still like fuck it I, I had no choice graham you know it was in my head i i went that route right as such people often think i'd be like anti-drugs absolutely not you fucking do what you 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 live your life i'll live mine and that, and, and that's great right yeah so with respect to the alcohol thing i would never tell anyone what they can and can't do you know with with their body as long as they're not hurting another individual but from a islamic point of view i would just proffer that they probably recognize the 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 damage that alcohol can do and when it when you become addicted to alcohol it's like the fucking devil's got you it's horrible it's that waking up your first thought is right where's my drink today am i going to go co-op and get a six-pack uh it, it it gets you it fucking gets inside you it's it really is if we're going to use terms like evil it the bloody devil's got you right 
And I think these and, and Sweden, I'll, I'll, I'll come on and talk about Sweden and Norway because there's a there's a, 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 a relative connection there. But I think these cultures, the, the Islamic culture, just recognize that alcohol does end up not doing a lot of people favors. Right. The camel urine thing is probably related to survival in the desert. Is it not? Is it is it? You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't disagree with, with survival in the desert or, you know, if that's what they do. That's what they do. Um, but I mean, I can tell you some other stories about that. Well, I won't go into it. It's a bit disgusting. But at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, you know, to 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 say to anyone, you you cannot drink. Um, it is absolutely banned. Uh, I mean, some countries, if you get caught with alcohol, they'll flog you. Um, and I'm not talking about selling you. I'm talking about flogging you. They will whip you. Um, you know, literally take the flesh off your back. So. Again, it is about complete control. Um, and I'm sort of, I agree with you as an individual. I believe if you take drugs, take drugs. Yeah, but don't affect anyone else around you. Um, that's the biggest problem that I have with people, you know, that take drugs. Um, alcohol. I haven't got a problem with pe people taking alcohol and getting drunk. As long as they don't get drunk and get violent and then get violent towards me, and I have to deal with their alcohol abuse, right? They're the things that I don't like. That's where people need to take responsibility for their own actions. Where you've just said you did take responsibility for your own actions. You know, you knew it was a bad thing to do. You knew it could take you to a bad place and you would be the one who had to deal with it. Mm. Um, it it's when everybody else around you is dealing with that problem as well. That's the bit that I don't like. Um, and again, I mean, that's caused me some issues with people in my family. So, you know, I agree with that. I mean, I've got a serious weight problem. Um, I mean, a couple of years ago, I had a heart attack. I put weight on and I need to get my weight off. You know, uh, I would dearly love for someone to come along and say, well, I'll train you out. You can leave, but I'll, I know how you can lose weight. This, but, um, you know, all of these things, they're personal issues and you, you know, they shouldn't be someone else's problem. You've just held up that book, 1984. I mentioned the Fabian Society. Uh, 1984, the book, was actually written to commemorate um, the centenary of the Fabian Society, just to let people know what that book's about. So it's not about 1984. It's about 100 years of the Fabian Society. So if you imagine what it says in that book, you then know what the Fabian Society are intending. That's what it is. What's the, um, what's the point of this book? I mean, I, I'm always recommending people read it because I was studying at uni. I, just, I think I was actually on my access to uni course, right? It was just a whole new, I'm a thick old stupid bloody Marine, right? Boot, boot neck, we call it. So all this university thing was like a, I thought, you know, university, they were those clever people on the bloody, was it University Challenge, isn't it? <laughs> you know, they've all got rich families that they don't, they, they get put to Oxford and Cambridge. And that was my upbringing. So the actual notion of me going to uni was quite, oh. But then, of course, there's a whole nother, you know, they've made, university's been made easier. 
It's basically to trap you in a financial trap for the rest of your working life, i.e. you have to pay your, your 20 or 30,000 pound bloody student loan back to these corporate criminals for the rest of your life. That's why everyone goes uni these days. And it makes the unemployment statistics look better because we haven't got any bloody in industry anymore. So young people aren't exactly. going into factories, dockyards, exactly. steelworks, all this. They go to uni instead, right? Anyway, slight, sorry, so slight did you, tan so did tangent. You say, that? say again. Did you actually say, can I have an E, please, Bob? <laughs> that was, um, what the hell? That was. Um, it was a was university that? thing, wasn't it? Yeah, no, that was the other one, was it not? That was um, Blockbusters. That's it, Blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, your starter for 10. That's it, starter for 10. <laughs> yeah. Who has the best podcast in the world? It's Chris Rule. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, so anyway, um, I'm going to uni and I work with a very nice chap, Mark. Hello, Mark, if you're watching. And he went, Chris, 1984, you, you've got to, if you want to make sense of what's going on in the world, read that book. Well, bloody hell, I read it and suddenly it made sense of everything that's going on in the world. And you've got to remember, this was 20 bloody years ago graham you know so yeah hasn't not not what we're seeing now this was the early days where you could start to see the seeds of the social control the mind yeah. the mind conditioning the mind control the the bickering the pettiness the the the, the you know the civil um the civil reporting you know where your neighbor actually you know you're having a conversation one minute then you, you you say bye 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 and they go and pick up the phone and report you to the bloody police right which is what we're seeing now yeah. and of course it was just the seeds back 20 years ago now it's full full blown what is in this book is happening you know the the language changing um the 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 again we've got to be careful what we say here but like the i think people know when we say the ridiculousness of, of certain situations um the the laws that have been just just made and, and and this goes back to what we're saying about the english constitution that are just unconstitutional there's no there's no um there's nothing behind these laws they just it's like this thing at the minute that you have to do a certain thing in a certain place i'd love to actually see the law behind that i think you'd find that there wasn't one right I think you'd find that there wasn't one, but anyway, anyway. Um, so, so yeah. Why would the Fabian Society then, Graham, put mm. a book out about what they're actually doing? If, if I know that these bloody Satanists and esoteric groups love to shove it in your face. We, you know, we, yeah. we they. It seems like when they do something, they have to show you it first and. Most people are kind of um, uh, oblivious. Well, George Orwell was a Fabian, and then he left. Uh, and and then, as my understanding, he wrote a book to say this is what they're going to do. Uh, so in effect, he, it was an expose um, of the Fabian Society. But 1984 was the centenary. That's what that book was about. Was 
a hundred years of Fabianism, this is what is going to, this is what's going to happen. So if you look at when he wrote the book, uh, which I can't remember when it was, I think it was the early twenties, might've been before that. I'm not sure. Uh, he's actually given you a prediction uh, of what a hundred years of Fabianism is going to look like. Yes. I think it was nine. This, this first published in 1949. I think we've got a, yeah. what I want to say is, like I'm always talking about who is behind this agenda. It's clearly an agenda. This this mass immigration, which just seems to be designed to destroy, further destroy our identities as as a country. And and guys, this is not racist. If you think it's racist, you're probably a bit naive, right? Isn't we? You know, this is not not trying to be racist here. I'm just saying that. Look at Sweden. Oh my God, they're open. They're. It wasn't. I don't think it was an open door immigration policy. I think it's more that they were really welcoming of refugees, right? But I can tell you something that having driven around the world, you get approached by people that say, "Chris, could you shove me under your bus?" As in, like, can you like? hide me in the luggage compartment and take me back to England, right? Or actually, we, we, we drove to India from Norway, right? You actually get people come up to you and you make, you make friends with these people. They're, they're, they're good people, but they want a better life. And they say, Chris, could, you know, can I get under your, I'll hide under your bus and you take me back to Europe, right? And of course, they're going to claim asylum. Of course, you know, it's just, it's, that's, that's the ticket to, to a life. In the UK, um, I've seen, I've literally been on a bus where when it's got to the border, it's, we stopped one mile away from the border, five, a family on the bus have gone outside with a driver. I'm like, oh, is it, it's a smoke break. So I, I, I went out to have a rollie or something, right? The driver's like, no, you, you back on the bus, right? I'm like, oh, okay. There's. There's something going on here. The driver's screwing them into a secret compartment under the bus, right, to smuggle them across the border. This happens. Why are we seeing, you get this cliche, middle-aged, uh, uh, you know, fighting men in their prime. You see these people, these hordes of, um, sorry, people sounds rude. I don't mean to be rude, but... You see these hordes of, uh, of immigrants and they're marching, you know, across Europe or whatever. And everyone's like, they're fighting age males. They're ISIS. They're the no, what it is, is under um, the Human Rights Act or the, the, the kind of immigration, the, the, the Asylum Seeker Act. If you get into a country and claim asylum and you're accepted, then, you, then, then your family has the equal right to come and join you. This is why you see the men coming. It's once they, they, they've been established and they, they, you know, and I've worked in asylum and I've seen both sides. I've seen genuine asylum seekers that have had a fucking horrible story. You know, one, one, one guy like, oh, my God, something like 22 days inside a lorry to escape the persecution in his country, you know, and, and, and nice people, good people. But I've also seen the guy that clearly came here under asylum, but is basically what an economic migrant, Graham, right? 
yeah, what yeah. they get here and they go and, I, and i'm talking in the capacity of a support worker so when i went for uni i worked with asylum seekers right for one of my my placements chris how come like i can claim the unemployment benefit and i get this a week but if i do a job they stop it why your country so stupid so sh-. and i'm like well welcome to england yes it is fucking sh- <laughs> it's a fucking quagmire and it ain't fun mate everyone will try and take your money bbc tax it's it's a shit show you your freedom is fucking destroyed in this country right but my point is that guy is not an asylum seeker if he's an asylum seeker he'll be chris thank you so much to your country for but you know i was going to get killed back home and, and you've given me a place thank you I'll, i will try I'll and make you, it bro. work no He's talking economics, right? How much money can I make? Why can't I do this? Why are they going to stop my unemployment benefit if I work? You know, I had to explain to him, you have to report. If you want, you, you can work 16 hours a week or whatever it is. You still have to tell the dole office. You've got to, t- you can't just go and do it, right? Ah, sorry, I'm, I'm probably gone on one a bit there, Graham, but. It- no, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. And I, and, uh, uh, some of what you've described there, I agree with. The bit that uh, that really upsets me are these people that come here as asylum seekers and then want to recreate their country in this country. Exactly what they have, you know, aimed to escape. I'm talking about the real asylum seekers, the ones who were going to be killed, right? That, so that's the first thing. So I agree with what you're saying, and I do agree that there are economic migrants, there are real refugees that are in fear of their lives my my you know the element that i disagree with is don't come here and then want to recreate your country and your culture in my country um which recreates the problem that you run away from this right? is the hard hard line islam thing isn't it this is the you know you get it these could be islam it could be i mean there's different things i mean south africa there's different elements in africa um where where is cultures rather than religion that drives the violence it may be a tribal hatred they're all the same color uh, they're the same race but i hate each other um because of th- their cultures clash but what i'm saying is i don't want them bringing that ear in its clash here the next element of what you just said uh, again um is very very similar in what in 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 what i believe anyways again you've got the economic migrants um if if they was to control their own country and and you know take on their own country in 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 terms of be supported there rather than here um they they can establish their country uh, as a place where they can earn money it's because of the corruption and again, this country is now becoming corrupt because of what we've allowed to happen. And, and to a larger effect, that's socialism. That's what it does. It corrupts. Yes. Because we're talking about this on the podcast, there's a few things I just want to highlight to people. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to my mate Naz, Naz Hussein QC. Very wonderful man. Supports me like no end. And I almost feel like a bit guilty talking about this subject because he's from um, originally from Pakistan. 
his son, Sal. Hello, Sal, if you're listening. Very good friend of mine. Um, and, and, and so I'm, I'm kind of like a bit not treading carefully, but I'm very conscious like what I'm saying. I don't want to upset anyone because it's not about that. But I do want the truth. It's the whole point of my podcast is the truth. And when, when I was in Pakistan and, and Iran, like I want, I mean, just, I'll just give you one situation. We, we went back to this family for food. And of course, it's the very kind offering you their bed, giving you their food, all, all that that I've experienced all around the world, that wonderful hospitality that British people don't really do as well, but let's let's not stir a hornet's nest and i was at this house and the father went come and he had this glint in his eye like i thought he's going to go and you know show me his ak-47 and we're going to have a shoot or something no took me in a which which has happened you know that has happened to me before anyway so we go into his bedroom and he pulls over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah, good, good. <laughs> no, mate, I never get that lucky, Graham. I'm, in the Marines, we call it on plums. That means like you never get you never get a, a bag off, as we call it in the Marines, which is sex. But yeah. uh, we went in his bedroom, and he pulled this drawer, and under his clothes, he took his magazine out. In fact, it wasn't even a whole magazine; it was like three pages or something. Yeah, and. He went, look, and he's beaming as though he's showing me something that I would never have seen before. And it was a woman sat, let, let's just say sat on a chair. Yeah. And you could see up her skirt and you could just see a bit of her knickers, right? Yeah. And again, folks, if you listen, this is not a criticism. I'm trying to put things in perspective that this guy that the notion of a woman that you could see her pat oh my god it was like the you know this massive thing in his life he thought he was showing me something that i'd never seen before he don't know in england you get that in every bloody news agent shop front it's disgusting you know all this up 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 photos and all that you know demeaning bloody women if you're if you ask me right and what, what I'm trying to say is we need to recognize that if we have any kind of like open door policy or even if it's asylum seeking for all the right reasons, whatever, we are dealing with a very different mentality. We just are. And to pretend that we're all equal and we're all just, you know, it, it, yeah, we're all equal. Of course we are. We're all God's creatures or creatures of the universe, whatever your, your, your terminology is. But I take it one step further. So when, when you hear these uh, rape gangs that have not just surfaced in Britain, and it's a fucking problem, you can't have kids being fucking raped by, by, by grown men. And in Sweden, they now got no-go areas. They've got ghettos. Because they, let's just say, naively thought, yes, come to us. We will welcome you. And, and, and it's, it's turned very bad over there. You know, I've, I, one of my big supporters, a chap that I, I chat with very regularly, lives in, in Malmö in southern Sweden. I've, I've been in Malmö. I've been fundraising in 
for charity in Malmo, a beautiful university town in Sweden. Now it's like no go areas there. Police won't go there. You know, this, this sort of thing. Sorry, I, I'm not trying to be dramatic. I'm just trying to talk the truth, folks. No, no, go on. Um, I agree. I was, you, that's, the, that's the whole problem. That, that they won't tell you brain, the truth. If I can just, just give you an, a, one more anecdote. I was in Norway, and I think I, think, um, I mentioned this in our phone call. Um, I had a Swedish girlfriend at the time. We both worked in a supermarket. It's called Kiwi. <laughs> um, and one night, she's there on the till in Norway, and two Sudanese young men came in. They pointed a Kalashnikov, a fucking an assault rifle, at her face and went, give us the money. Right? My girlfriend, being a very naive Swedish, where there's the crime is, there's no crime in Sweden with the with Swedes. It's very little. Like they don't have cameras and that in shops because the notion of stealing from one of your community is just like weird, right? Really, yeah, yeah. there's, there's I've talked about the drinking thing as well. But so these guys point this AK 47 in her face to give her some money, and she went, Why? Because <laughs> right? she didn't, she couldn't understand it, Graham, what was going on it, it, in her in her life. It, this sort of thing is like never going to happen. Right. Um, so that's that. The other thing I was just talking was a, a point about alcohol in, in, in Scandinavia, you have something called Jontelagen. It's unwritten law, right? Yeah. It's, uh, it permeates Scandinavia and it's, it's fascinating, but it's also really frightening, right? And in my humble assessment, I'd say it goes back to the Viking times when, um, or the, 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 you know, everything in Scandinavia is commune-based. You live in a commune. You get an ID card and you're part of this commune, right? And it's lovely. It's community. It's almost not, not socialist, obviously, because they're one of the richest countries in the world. But it's, uh, but Jontelager means unwritten law. And some of those laws are things like you can be successful in business. You know, you can make your million, but you are not allowed to think you're better than other people. You're just yeah. not. If you start going on that bloody chariot, the community are going to. They will they will bring you back down to earth pretty quickly. You know, the other thing, which especially as a Brit, which is quite interesting, is you don't drink during the week. It's absolutely, it's, it's softened now, but it was when I was at, it was taboo to drink except for a Friday and a Saturday. And again, if you think going back to their, 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 let's just say Viking to use a cliche communities, if you had bloody, you know, Stig, he's on the old bloody ale on, on a Monday morning well, he's not going to be contributing to that community, is he? He's going to be off his head, basically a useless sort. Of, and it was kind of recognised that it's not good. Weekend, let's have a party, let's go for it. Fine, drinking in the week going to lead to going to lead to problems, right? And it's fascinating that that's come through, um, you know, come through to this day, Graham. Apologies, I'm not sure how this how this relates to our conversation, but. 
that's that's my uh, again statement. again you've got an unwritten so so we've got what's known as a common law constitution. Um, some of it is written, some of it is by oath, and some of it is what's known as customs, ancient customs. So what you're talking about is a Scandinavian, the ancient customs. You cannot do this, this, and this. It doesn't have to be written. It's passed down by the people, right? That That is a genuine law, right? So uh, what you've just described there is a good thing, but it's part of their culture. And you respect that, even though it's not written, you respect it as part of their culture in their country. They say don't drink all week except at weekends. Then you drink at weekends. Mm. Um, you know, I do, I do understand that. Yeah, it's funny because you'll be, you know, with a group of Scandinavians, so you may be with some Swedish friends, and you're like, guys, quick beer. And they're like, and they start looking at each other because they know that in our culture, that's perfectly acceptable to go for a beer on a Thursday night. It's fine. Yeah. But they know in their culture, it's not. But but they don't want to appear like they're not like up on your culture. They're, they're not like down with the kids sort of thing. And they're yeah. kind of, um, yeah, let's, let's go for a beer. And it, you can see it's so fucking awkward for them. Right, because it's Yontalag and it's unwritten law. It's like this secret code that's never, you know, you can't find it written down. It well, you probably can these days, but um, fascinating. Mm. I'm not, I'm not trying to brand everybody, but I'm just saying when you have this open door, bloody kind of immigration policy, which let's be honest, it's designed to destroy our identities. It's designed to fuck everything up. That's what it's about. It's not about you know, it, it's designed to get British people fighting against Pakistani, you know, criticising the, 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 the Afro-Caribbean, you know, all this, like, let's just create chaos because, as I said, order out of chaos. Um, so I just wanted to chuck that in the pot because some people might not realise these differences, Graham, you know, they might not understand that. And it's OK to be different. An ancient culture doesn't have to be the same as, as England. And I'm sure there's lots of stuff we do in England that are probably abhorrent. Well, there are. The, the naked thing is abhorrent in these countries, you know? They look at us like we're... we're, we're... I agree entirely. And, and let me just say this to you. The world is now a small place. If you really want to be multiculturalist, there is nothing stopping you from, from really you know, go into India if you want to live to India, go for a big long holiday in India, go all these places. You don't actually have to bring it here. Um, that's, the, that's the first thing. Whereas, you know, 100 years ago, 150 years ago, obviously it took, you know, six weeks to get anywhere. Um, so there's lots of things like that that, you know, now could lean towards, you know, you, you, you just flying there or, or doing doing things in, in, a, in a different way. But I believe that ancient cultures, um, you know, I've got, it's a bit like if you, if you look at, I don't know, let's say the brethren in this country, which are all orthodox uh, Christians, yeah? Um, if you look at the Hamish in America, you know, they, they, they live in, in a world of 200 years ago. Mm. Um, you know, leave the community alone, they're fine. 
You know, you won't see any of them wearing uh, masks currently. But the the main pro, the, you know, what, but what I'm trying to say to you is that um, you know, I don't mind letting let 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 live and and you know, just get on with your life. But for me, it's about an individual choice. You shouldn't have other people forcing you uh, to think a certain way and do things a certain way. You do it the way you want to do it. Like you said when you started the show, you know that was your you, you know you're not anti-drugs, even though you had a problem with drugs. But you take responsibility for what you did with drugs, yeah, because you're an individual and you're also a man. Because a lot of people don't take responsibility. My view is only a stand-up person takes responsibility for what they've done. You know, you say, yes, no, uh, yeah, all right, get me head down, I've done it. You know, it's a bit like if you're in the uh, army and you have a punch-up and you end up, you know, in, 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 in army prison, you know, it's, it's, you're okay. It's you know, also, Graham, I think worth pointing out for people listening, you know, you adopt a victim mentality, you, you're going to get to the grave faster it don't help you to think of yourself as that, you know, shit happens to us in life. I've had stuff from a very young age. that wasn't, you know, what wasn't pleasant. I've had stuff in the, in the military that wasn't pleasant. I've had stuff when I worked for the, the, the 14 K, the Hong Kong triads that, that, that wasn't, you know, do I look back and feel sorry for them? Absolutely not. It's to me, it's all just experience, you know, it's all experience. My gran always said, Life ain't fair and no one ever bloody promised you it, it should be, right? And that's kind of been my mantra. But, Graham, let's get back to the... Well, let's, let's take a different angle. Who, right? I, I'm, I think I know who is behind this agenda to fragment us all and control us and technocratize us and, and, and make us, you know, put stuff in our bodies that... I'm, I'm picking my words carefully here, by the way, you know, that, that I, I ain't going to have in my body and I'm sure other people are not going to have it in their bodies. Right. Um, who, who is behind it all? Because there seems to be different agendas in play. Like for example, when you look at the events in New York there 20 years ago, I'm not, I'm not going to say the number, but everyone knows the number I mean. Like you could clearly see the orchestrators of that event, especially if you know how to bloody use the internet. It's all, it's all there for you to know. The guy that comes out on the on the TV, it was O B L, you know that guy. It, they said that within twenty minutes of mm. these things coming down, they'd already got their their bad guy right. I think the well, first of all, it goes up much higher than um i believe there's only a small amount of people um less than a hundred at the very top that are are orchestrating everything they're the actual puppet masters um in the old days many corporations many tv channels uh many radio stations were owned independently uh and not by a single corporate entity now uh, controlling the global uh, media mainstream mainstream news media is literally six or seven companies which means six or seven ceos uh control 
the global media. What you you know when you start to research who they who those people are, not necessarily their religion, because I can explain to you one person, uh, a guy called Peter Sutherland, uh, who is now deceased. Um, again, he was a Fabian Society member. Uh, he worked for Goldman Sachs. He was also uh, the chairman of um, the Lo uh, London School of Economics, which is a Fabian University. Um, when you look at everything that that guy did, um, he just happened to be Irish. He also uh, worked for the UN, and it was his particular policy with the EU to flood the EU and, and Ireland and UK and other countries uh, with immigration. Uh, when you look at him, um, you know, if you, look, if you look at his history, it says that he's uh, a Roman Catholic. Um, you know, I, I would um, suggest that he probably isn't. Um, the Kazakhstan or whatever they're called, um, of a distinct look about them. Um, and I certainly believe that that could be uh, part of what the issue is. These people all work on blackmail, don't they? You know, you get these people into power, they're put in power because they're blackmailable. They have done stuff, you know, usually sexual stuff, in, inappropriate, if not highly criminal. You know, this is why they get into power, is then the, these... these yeah. then they're controlled. So yeah, these evil sociopaths that we're talking about that are destroying... All of us, it's not just about England, they're destroying the world. They won't yep. be happy until we are just a bunch of brainwashed muppets that live in I don't know if we're going to live in cages or, 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 or it's going to be the, the Orwellian, you know. And it's happening, friends. If you're watching, this is happening. I'm not trying to be dramatic, it's just when you see through this agenda, then. When you see what's going on at the minute, you you realise how farcical it is and how flimsy this facade that they maintain and they do it so easily because the people pray for it. And I don't know if there's ever going to be an answer to it. I don't know if maybe human beings are just too freaking stupid. Maybe that's it. Maybe we're destined for this crap, you know. But while I'm living this life, I'm going to keep that warrior spirit, you know? And I don't just mean because I'm military. I mean, I'm, 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 I think you're the same, Graham, you know? I'm, I'm not having this done to the next generation. They're exactly. being enslaved. They're being enslaved. Yeah. And we're all... We are the people that hold the eternal flame of freedom, and we cannot drop that we need to pass it on to the next generation but in an order to be able to do that we need to be brave enough to stand up and tell the truth to people um about what's really going on um and it's a bit like uh, the emperor has no clothes you know everyone's thinking what we're thinking we're the only people actually saying it the reason why we are hated by the british while we are hated by the British established parties, which is, in effect, uh, UKIP, if you like, um, uh, Conservative Party, Liberal Democrats, and the Labour Party, is because we don't conform.
to what they want us to look like. We say, no, we're English. Um, we, you know, we're not left and right. We believe in the rule of law and the constitution and the individual's rights, the unalienable rights. Uh, and that's the bit that these other people don't get. So again, you know, I just want to emphasise to people that if you think there isn't a political party out there, a lot of people say, you know, I'm politically lost. And then people find us and they realise, you know, we've been there for 18 years. Why don't I don't see you on TV? Why don't? Because they don't want, they fear the English and the independent mind of the English more than anything else. That's the truth of it. So, Graham, my question is, as I said, I've never voted, not because I'm apathetic or, or this or that, because I, I won't vote for my own slavery. It's just I won't, you know. There ain't no red and blue or whatever the colours are. It's one sociopathic elite that control the whole thing. You start as a politician because you're a good person. You want to help your community. You get into this position of power. Suddenly you get a whole load of um, conditions put on you and pressures and, and funding and, 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 and politics and all this kind of stuff. And before long, you just then become a puppet for the Illuminati or whatever we, we, we're going to call them, right? That, that's why I won't ever vote. How would the English, is it the English Democrat League? Is that what you, or, or the party? English Democrat Party. Yeah. How, how would they be different? How could you stop this rot setting in? Well, you, first of all, you've got, you've hit a good, uh, that is a good question. Why are we different? Um, well, the answer is because the first thing we want to do is dissolve the union, right? Because it's the union that gives that core element and these bureaucrats that are in place, uh, which is the civil service. It dissolves the whole of that and removes the, the power from the British and returns it back to the English people. I'm talking about the English and the, and the English constitution. So we're not left nor right. Um, that's the first thing. We do what's best for the country and the people of, of the country. The second element to that is um, we don't believe in, you know, multiple terms. So two terms as a member of parliament. What does that do? It, it, it stops the, the corruption getting into these people, right? The second element is that I personally don't believe that um, I mean, com the commons is no longer full of common people. In other words, carpenters, bricklayers, people like me, you, normal everyday people. Instead, it is packed with people who have done political degrees. Uh, and again, it is the Fabian Society that helped facilitate, facilitate that in 1911. We would stop that. So real people with real experience of working and being in our own communities would would be elected as MPs in an English parliament. We would also remove the central power base of the UK parliament and the British because we would return the power back to the people. That means the county councils. That means the district councils. That means the parish councils. That's what made England, England great. And the ultimate element of this is that you would remove the structures that are in place that have allowed 
the elites to control us in the way that they are. That's why the English Democrats are different. But the main reason we are so different is we believe in individual liberties, individual rights, and individuals' rights against the state. In other words, that the state cannot remove your unalienable rights. So again, they've already published a letter from me at the State Department in America uh, from the Commission of Unalienable Rights. And I know that Mike Pompeo has read that letter. I've been told that he's read the letter. And also that nine members of the Commission have read that. You need to de deconstruct the United Nations. Now, people may say, well, how can England do that? Well, I can tell you how England can do it. Once you dissolve the British Union, this, and I'm not talking about, this is not a negative force towards Scotland, Wales, or Northern Ireland, or England. This is about the British, the power source is the Act of Union, 1706-1707, and what they proceeded then to create for themselves and take the rights away from the English. So what happens when you dissolve uh, the Union is that all treaties, for example, and let me just give you an indication because I quite like it when, when it's more visual, shall we say, yeah? So they, let's just say that this uh, document is the treaty with the United Nations. When you dissolve the Union, the treaty with the United Nations and Agenda 30 and Agenda 21 goes with it, right? Any European Union commitments uh, to a defence union, once you dissolve the United Kingdom Parliament, everything that they signed um, illegally uh, goes with it. And then... You obviously look at the rest of the situation. You say England now has control and the individuals with England, every one of their votes count. So you can tear up everything that that UK Parliament did uh, and you can literally say to people, now you have the power. You are the people that control your own lives. Your future generations will control their own lives, but you must always defend your freedom and liberty, and the only way you can do that is with a constitutional or constitutionalist party. Um, so again, I emphasise, forget all this black, brown, yellow, white stuff. It's about the culture, it's about your, your independence, and it's about you as an individual. But you must take responsibility for your own life. You must stop allowing other people to control your life. Um, you know, you'll be allowed to go out and earn your own money, keep your own money, uh, you know, pay into this system or that system. If you want to pay into that system, it's about the free market situation, and it does work. Um, America is the biggest economy in the world, not because it has the la largest land base, not because it has the largest population in the world, because it doesn't on either aspect. It is because they have a constitution that is based on the English constitution. And that makes them and gives them the power to invent. And that's exactly what we want to come back to. Our engineering, 
we want to we will be reintroducing industries uh, that were taken away from us shipbuilding the coal industry the steel industry um, space uh, we would be uh, in coalition hopefully with the United States of America um, but it's about looking after the individuals so you as an individual would be voting for that you would be voting uh, to respect the constitution and people's individual rights um, which you don't have that option anywhere on the political spectrum currently and especially with the United Kingdom Parliament, um, which is already in bad faith because they've given back a parliament to Scotland and not give it back to England. So in a nutshell, that is what you're voting for and that's the difference. But to emphasise to veterans, um, we wholeheartedly believe uh, and commit um, to the uh, military covenant. And that is if you lay your life down um, for country and the constitution, um, you will always be respected. Um, and by laying your life down, I mean, if you sign on the dotted line to serve the country of England, you will always be respected for that. And your service to the country will always be respected. Which is the complete opposite of what we have at the moment, isn't it? Where second so. you leave the military, you're just a number. You know, we, we've yeah. had seven, I think, seven suicides this week alone. Well, uh, again, I'm someone who has suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder. I understand the condition. I understand, um, you know, I've had the, the video going in my brain. Certain, certain situations happen and I can smell blood literally smell blood hmm. um i've had the constant adrenaline running 24 hours a day the no sleep the nightmares um every element of post-traumatic stress disorder um you know i i feel it and and it creep like i said it creeps up on you it, it's not something that happens overnight but once it gets hold of you it then helps destroy your personal relationships your concentration Every element of your life is affected by it. Um, and again, uh, the, the, the government, uh, what have they done? Um, and I'll give you an example. And this is not just this government, this is previous governments. They've sold the military hospitals. You know, they've not invested in um, mental health facilities for the military. Uh, and again, I'll say this to people, and this is something I believe in. I used to be a Samaritan, but I'm going to say this to people and, and anyone out there is suffering a ill health through, through serving for this country. I'm going to say this to you, that when you was trained and you was trained with uh, battlefield me medics. So if you see a colleague uh, that's hit the floor, that's bleeding profusely, your training is to stop the bleeding to put pressure on, to stop the bleeding, to call in for a medical evacuation, to get out, get that person out. And if you have to carry that person, you'll carry him, right? Yeah. Mental issues and post-traumatic stress disorder is no less of an injury. I want you to understand one thing, and especially if you're suffering with this. It is a medical emergency if you are having 
suicidal thoughts. Go into any A&E, go up to reception and tell them, and I've done this personally, tell them I'm having suicidal thoughts. And they will say, sit. You sit down and then you start to see all the events around you. Someone will come out to you. Eventually, you might have to wait an hour or two hours. But you will see a doctor and you will see someone that cares. You will see someone that can relieve that pain you're in there and then, right? It is a medical emergency if you are having suicidal thoughts. In the same way as your colleague or someone has been shot on a battlefield and you're stopping the bleeding, it is exactly the same thing when you walk into that A&E. Just remember that. Consider it as training. And the training is that when you have them thoughts, you go into A&E. That's it. Yes. Do I get the impression because I've seen some of your your um, your videos, Graham, that A and E will give you like a priority. Is that is that right? That I, I if you if you've got if you go into an A and E and you tell them um, so when you call the Samaritans, the Samaritans can't help you. All they do they listen to you, which is good, and people do need to listen to the problems. If you go into an A&E, um, every A&E department has an, a mental health trained doctor there or mental health trained nurses there, and they are exceptionally good at their jobs. Um, when you come in and present yourself as someone with suicidal faults, um, again, if you explain that you're a veteran, if it was me, I'll take it further than that. I'd do exactly what President Trump said, um, and he is actually associated veterans and said, right, if you can't look after them, if they make the phone call, they are entitled to go private and we're paying for it, right? Because they, they, these injuries were caused in the service of the country. So therefore, the country needs to look after them. Again, I've got no issues with that. And I, and I believe we should. Again, Robin Tilbrook, who is the leader and the chairman, his father uh, was a brigadier general. Um, and he himself, Robin, uh, was in the military. So again, you know, he's now a lawyer, a solicitor, and he's and he's on our side. So uh, that is the situation. Um, but yeah, they will look after. Mm. Graham, um, this is quite a good point to ask. Was was there something, some kind of like therapy, philosophy, meditation, whatever it might be, that that, that helped you to recover? Was there yeah, one there thing that we can pass on to other people? There was a particular, uh, and again, I haven't got it in front of me. It's got a funny name. Um, but basically, it, it, it was, so, so let me just, I was in a mental, mental health uh, um, um, a hospital twice. Um, uh, once for three months, once for, I think, for four or five months. The point being... Um, that psychiatrists and mental health nurses, they can help you to a point. But they all said the same thing. We need you, in, you need to see a psychologist. So whilst I was given medication, uh, one, of, one of those medications is something called sertraline, which definitely helps. Um, th the main consideration is a psychologist, right? And people, you know, again, I want to say this to anyone, especially in the military, Everyone who knew me 
everyone who knows me, yeah, couldn't believe that it happened to me. I was absolutely shocked, right? Um, be, because of my personality, because, you know, you know, I could walk in a boozer and have a proper tear up. They all, all, you know, but what they said to me was, I believed that I was weak because my mind had gone, right? And they kept saying to me, you're not weak, Graham. You've been strong too long. And that's why you've broken now, because you have taken this on yourself and not asked for help. But as soon as you put your hand up for help, we're going to help you. And, and that's exactly what I did. So I then went to see uh, a psychologi- psychologist called uh, Peter DiBacco, who just happened to be South African. And we had a number of sessions. And he said to me, can I try something with you? And it was a, a relatively new treatment. And I said, yeah. And he said... The first thing is, he said, I get the impression that you're, you know, pretty intelligent. And he said, the reason I'm saying that is because I'm actually going to explain this treatment to you. And he explained it to me. And basically, um, he, held, he held a pen up. It sounds, I mean, he'd done a lot of other things with it. But you then walk through the experience that causes the issues and the video that's going on in your mind. Um, the actions that caused my senses to smell blood, yeah? So you go through this issue, and I won't going to go through it in detail, obviously. But as you do, he, you have to repeat how you're feeling, how your heart's feeling. Is your, every element of, of what happened in them events. And as you talk through them, you follow a pen. Um, it sounds something really simple, mm-hmm. and then as it, you follow that pen, and evidently, what it does is when, because you're in a relaxed state talking to a psychologist, when you're recalling the events, and there could be multiple events, you, you, the connection with your eye to the different parts of your brain moving with the pen almost resets the function of the memory and, and and starts it doesn't remove it because i've still i've still i can still get those visions um but it's a lot more controllable now it's it's almost nulled it until non-existent if you understand what i'm saying so yeah that's uh, definitely worked yeah it's good it's good it's worked i've i've heard I've heard it hasn't worked for everybody. I'm not. I am not trying to dis- dismiss it here. No, not at all. Um, but it's great to hear that it that it did work for you. Um, Everyone is different. So again, the reason why you need assessment is for them to get to know to you and 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 certain elements. Different symptoms may uh, be treated by a different, you know, a different method. Uh, my symptoms were as such he had used this before uh, on similar symptoms and said you know it worked then so it could work on you and you know we went through it but again it's something the session itself can be you know can be slightly distressing um, because you're actually going through the detail of what happened um, but you're following an eye pattern uh, in some way, reset. You got to remember how clever the brain is. Mm. That the, the, you know, the human brain is an unbelievable, complex arena of 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 
um, electronic communications inside there and chemicals, you know, going off in all different areas. So when you start to recall it, you know, and if your adrenaline starts to kick in, I mean, one of the things with post-traumatic stress disorder and the almost instant uh, aggression and, and um, fight rather than flight uh, is because of the 20, because you're, there's something in your brain that, that triggers adrenaline, which is really bad, 24 hours a day. Hmm. So it stays in your system. So if anyone's ever been in, you know, I don't know if there's many people out there watching who sort of don't understand it. Imagine if you ever got into a situation where your heart rate ran up, your adrenaline is kicked in, your face is drained, and, and you're ready to go in for a punch-up. You're like that. With post-traumatic stress disorder, you're like that all the time. That's it. You know, um, it doesn't mean you're aggressive with everyone you meet. But if someone even raises their voice, you're, you're, you're absolutely ready to knock them spark out mm. because you won't tolerate any violence towards you. It's, it's a really strange thing. It's yeah, it's like, it's like your cool. fight or flight mechanism is permanently triggered, isn't it? Yeah. And no, it can exactly wake, no. I find it can wake you up. You know, you can be having a good old sleep and suddenly this buzz comes over you. This, it's the adrenaline kicking in as your mind starts to contemplate like your day and, and, and who's going to come and fuck with you on this day or what, what, is, what challenges are going to be brought up. And suddenly you get like this, this buzz and it's the adrenaline flooding your system. Next yeah. thing you know, you're wide awake. It can be sometimes like four in the morning and it's horrible. Yeah. You just you're wide awake you've got you've got to go and work and you're like oh shit i i need some sleep i need to freaking sleep i can't sleep it's yeah. it's, it's awful awful so yeah. message there for anyone reach out okay reach out watch watch my commando coaching videos i i hope they can help you in some way but yeah please reach out don't suffer in silence we've all been there we're there for you. Um, just, just do it. Graham, listen, I think we could chat forever. Um, I think three hours is probably a good time for our, uh, for my subscribers and yours viewers, friends, should I say, I hate the term subscribers, but, um, mate, it's, it's been amazing. It really has. Um, it's just good to meet someone who's not a coward. <laughs> Can I just say it like that? No. You know, no, I agree. you're not, I'm not. And there's a lot of people out there that are not. There's a lot of veterans that if only they could be exposed to the truth. Yeah. That would be putting their, you know, I, I don't want to say their skills. It sounds like that bloody movie. I'm going to come Liam Nielsen and it, you know, I've got a special set of skills, but I don't mean that. What I mean is, you know, there'd be a congruity, there'd be a, a, a movement there in a positive direction rather than just blatantly, blind, uh, blindly, whatever the, the word is, just pledging allegiance to the queen, you know, cause that's what we did when we were 18 years old. Um, mm. It could be actually no step up to the plate guys. Come on. Our country is being rotted from the inside out. Yeah. Now, clearly, there's an evil play 
I don't want to say game, it's too soft a word, but, you know, there's an evil plot in play and we need to stop bloody accepting it, you know? I agree. We need to stop. It's, it's, I'm going to go back to it again. It's this is coming true as we speak. And it's not going to be a bad thing if the world has a few more heroes. Come on, you know, come on. So, Graham, stay on the line um, so I can say a proper goodbye. But thank you so much for coming on. Um, let, let's maybe make this the first of several chats or we'll do a live show together and we'll take take people's questions or at least you, you can because you, you certainly know more about the English Constitution than I ever did. I, I wasn't even aware of it, to be honest, in, in, until like two days ago. Um, thank you again to our subscriber who put us in contact. Sorry, I can't remember your name. I just like like Graham, I, I get hundreds of messages a day. Um, but to people at home, as I said, we're all about love on this channel. Love, respect, community. You know, we're not about hatred. We're not about racism. We're not about anti this or, 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 or you know. I'll be, I, I think I've said it several times. I've been in Israel twice. I met some lovely, wonderful, wonderful people. I'm not commenting on the political situation there, which is n n not very, not very nice for, you know, one side of the fence. But guys, we're not about spreading hatred. We're, we're trying to do the opposite here. So please try and work with us. I'm going to shut up. Please like and subscribe if you can. Massive love to you all. See you on the Bought the T-Shirt podcast next time. Ciao. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.